Good morning, everybody. Welcome on this Sunday morning. I'm feeling a little chilly. Um, hope you're doing well. I've kind of lost track. I think it's been under a dozen for me. I took one last night. That's how I'm not <laughs> wearing a mask this morning. But uh, we try and do that as, as leaders that speak from the stage to make sure uh, we're good to go for Sunday mornings. But uh, man, it's been a lot. And if you're looking for more tests, um, Amy found this deal at Costco. If you're looking for them, it's like five tests for a pretty inexpensive deal. So anyway, that's kind of random. But um, yeah, that's, that's part of our new reality, right? Um, oh, hey, this morning before we get started with a new message series, I wanted to take a moment to pray as a church. So we found out this past week uh, about the life of a young woman named Christina Yuna Lee. Uh, she was a young woman in New York who was violently murdered, an uh, Asian-American lady who, um, yeah, who was uh, killed in this way. And as we know here at Access, we've been talking about this for a while, there's been a, ra- a rise in uh, violence against the AAPI community. And so a lot of us, when we hear news uh, about loss of life uh, and things like this, we wonder, we grieve, we grieve, we worry, uh, we're anxious. And so on behalf of the family and, and friends in New York, I wanted to lift up a prayer for them. Um, and I, I know, I realize that there's a lot of rise in violence around the world today, uh, but we here at Axis, we have unique roots as an uh, API community. Um, and so uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Uh, and let's, let's go to God together. Heavenly Father, our, our hearts are heavy uh, this morning. There's a lot to be worried about. And hearing this news, we, we cry out to you to bring comfort, to bring peace, to bring grace upon Christina's family and her friends, her dear ones, her loved ones. And we pray, Lord God, for justice, for a continued renewal of this land, uh, to be more aligned with what you have in store for us. God, we grieve because there's a lot of violence these days, and our hearts are heavy because of it. And we look to you as the Prince of Peace, the one who can bring us ultimate peace. And we pray, Lord God, as we enter into your word today, Lord, if there's something that you have to say to us through this, we ask that you help our hearts to be ready, to be listening, to be ready to receive from you. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, good morning again. I um, wanted to introduce this new topic. I'm really excited about it. We get to start a new series uh, this Sunday that will take us through um, the next couple of months. Uh, We're talking about the formation of a missional leader. We're going to be talking about the life of Peter, the disciple and apostle, who followed after Jesus. Uh, And Peter is known for many things um, throughout Scripture. And it is arguable that, you know, as a disciple, he experienced probably the the highest highs and the lowest lows of any of the 12. Uh, Because on the one hand, Jesus said to him, upon this rock, I'm going to build the church. Peter, whose nickname was the rock. I mean, that, that felt really good, I'm sure. I mean, that was like a really, like, exalted moment for him. At the same time, Peter denied Jesus three times on the night he was betrayed. And this came after 
Jesus after he pledged his allegiance to Jesus. So, um, of all the people that we know about in Scripture uh, in the New Testament who followed after Jesus, Peter ran the gamut of emotions, of highs and lows and everything in between. But through it all, there's a thread that pulls it all together, and that is this, the love of God. The steadfast love of God was with him all the way. And the steadfast love of his Savior kept him tethered and it kept him moving ahead. And that's what we're going to see in this series, and that's what I hope for all of you. I hope that through this series, we're all going to grow in faith. And I hope that we all grow in this hope that in the work of God, we will all be better formed as missional leaders. And that will become more clear as we go along today. But first, we're going to go through the first story of the series, the day that Peter had an encounter with Jesus and got to really come face to face with his Savior. Okay, so this comes to us from Luke chapter 5. Um, and just a quick note for some of you, um, uh, you got this piece of cloth. Hold on to this. This will be used as part of the message later on. If you're at home and you're wondering what that might be all about, um, I encourage you to grab a piece of paper that might be next to you. Maybe grab a big post-it note or something like that. I'll explain what that's about later on, but we'll get to it, and um, that will be part of our response. So diving right into Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen uh, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he began to teach the people from the boat. There's two words of context I want to get into as we begin this story, just to kind of lay out what's going on here in this situation with Jesus. The first word of context is the immediate story that's found in Luke. What's going on here is that Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. He has announced that the kingdom of God is at hand. He's calling people to believe and to repent. And people from all around are beginning to listen to Jesus and to, to follow him to find out more. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. Uh, people are literally gathering in the hundreds, maybe thousands, to listen to Jesus. And so he goes by the shore of a lake, and he begins to continue teaching them. The crowds are so and there's so many people there that he has to get into a boat to pull away from shore so he can address everyone who's come. That's the immediate context of what we're looking at. Jesus is teaching, and he is gaining popularity. The second word of context is the big story. The big story is what we've been looking at over the last month or so in our last series with Access 101. It's the big, big narrative of the Bible of Scripture, right? A four-part narrative that we know about creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Now, I'm not going to go into this in detail today because we've covered it so much, but I want us to understand 
this, the basic outlines, and this helps us to understand mission, which is what the series is about, right? So God created everything. He created humanity in His image after His likeness. He breathed life into dust, and we human beings bear the image of God. We were considered good. But we rebelled against God, and that was the fall. And in the fall, our lives were tainted by sin, and we are headed now for death. That is the corrupted state in which we find ourselves. And the story of Scripture talks about men and women who followed hard after God, but also the de-evolution of humanity as it kept going after violence and other distorted ways of life. So in redemption, we hear about Jesus. And this is the awesome invitation of the gospel. In Jesus, we have someone who has come to us from God to, to save us from sin and death, to teach us about the way of God, who took on our sin, went to the cross. And the invitation of God says this, if you believe in Jesus, you too can have a new life, and you are invited to be a part of God's great mission that will lead to restoration. So this is where we can begin talking a little bit about mission. So last week, Pastor John gave us an, a great introduction to mission. Uh, I just wanted to briefly uh, help us see that once again as we get into this series, because that's what it's about, right? Um, the big story helps us to understand God's work from creation to restoration. What God is doing is He's moving He's changing, he's bringing things back into the ways in which he designed them. This is the mission of God. This happens when human beings believe in Jesus and their souls are remade into new creations, right? That is the mission of God. It also happens when things that we work on in life here mirror what God wants for all eternity. When we uh, pursue justice and mercy and compassion. So it's all of these things together. What is a missional leader? It is someone who is taking uh, an edge in this, in the world, following God and making part of God's mission a reality. Now, if some of these definitions are a little bit... Um, too abstract, there's a very simple way to understand mission. You already know it. Most of you already know it. It comes from the Lord's Prayer. Okay, so the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is actually all about mission, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to think about mission, the best way is to continue to pray the Lord's Prayer because within it, we have the desire of Jesus to see what the way of God unfold and take place everywhere, in our hearts, in our neighborhoods, in our relationships, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in this nation and around the globe. We long for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. Okay, follow what happens with Jesus and Simon, Simon Peter. Luke 
chapter 5. When he had finished teaching, speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, uh, I will let down the nets. This is a really interesting response, and I want to spend some time talking a little bit about how Peter responds to Jesus in this moment, because this will set up a lot of the themes that we're going to see in the weeks to come. First of all, there's a statement, Master, (laughs) we've worked hard all night. (sighs) Jesus has gotten into Peter's boat. He's got it into his workspace. And Peter, because he's a fisherman, and in those days, professions were passed on generation to generation, Peter has likely been fishing all his life. Like, since he was a kid, he was fishing with his dad, and he was fishing just like his grandfather had fished. And for him to be fishing all night long, I mean, he kind of knows the situation, Right? And can you imagine what it would have been like? I just pulled an all-nighter, Jesus. I was at work all night. It was 8 o'clock last night. I let down my nets and nothing. 9 o'clock, I went out, let down the nets, nothing. (laughs) 10 o'clock, I would want to be home with family, to eat my meal, to be with the people I love. But I'm a fisherman, and I didn't get the catch of the day. I'm still out here. It's 10 o'clock. I'm frustrated. 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Peter has had a bad night. A fisherman with no fish to show for it. And he says, Master, we've worked hard all night. And I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of position with God, where God says something like that to you, and <laughs> you You have experience in some area. You have history. And to hear something like that kind of makes you bristle. (laughs) But here's a very interesting follow-up from Peter. But because you say so. Now, we're not given all the history and tonality. We don't know exactly what Peter meant by that. I kind of read it as frustration because that's how I would have felt in the moment. But there's a sense of, okay, but because you say so. Now, no matter how he might have felt in the moment, he does follow what Jesus has to say. And for the rest of Peter's life, this is kind of very interesting because this is what makes him different, I think. And this is why his life is so remembered. He had a unique openness. Even though his life and his history and his family said one thing about how life should be lived, he was open to the way of Jesus. And when this happened, new things came his way. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of them fish that day, (laughs) their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. 
And they came, and then their nuts began to break, and they began to sink as well. When Simon Peter saw that, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions who were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. There's this crazy thing that unfolds. Peter, who had spent the whole night fishing, puts down the nets one more time, and the water seems normal. Begins to pull it up, and there's like resistance. <laughs> there's like weight to substances, to to what's going on here. And he begins to pull, and he's he's seeing that it's absolutely filled to the brim with fish. It's a fishing story of a lifetime. He can't believe it, right? No one would believe this. There's so many fish. He's putting them in. His boat begins to sink, and he looks to his partners. He begins to wave. He says, get over here, James and John. And then he begins to, to share the fish. Their boats begin to sink as well. He is absolutely floored. And then comes this Response, <laughs> go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Scholars kind of take a look at that statement and realize that in this moment, there's more going on in Peter's life than maybe just a few minutes of doubt that happened maybe 10, 15 minutes earlier. This is Peter coming to the end of himself and realizing in a deep sense he has encountered God in some significant way, and he, he doesn't want it. He's unworthy. This is, this is actually a bad moment for him. Jesus, get away from me. I, I'm not worthy of this. You don't know how bad I am. This is a really interesting moment because if you know the Hebrew Scriptures, there's a lot of encounters with God, significant people who have met God along the way. And this has a lot of echoes of an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah, who also wandered into the temple one day, and he saw God, and God was there in the fullness of His glory, and he, he was like, no, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm I'm unraveled. The words in the Hebrew there indicate that he just feels terrible about himself. His life feels like it's coming apart in that moment because he is realizing he just shouldn't be there. He has no business being in the presence of God. I am a man of unclean lips, Isaiah says, and I live among a people of unclean lips. <laughs> We're all liars. We're foul-mouthed. God, you, have no, you want nothing to do with me. And yet God takes a very different approach in that moment. Angel comes, takes a burning coal, puts it on his lips, symbolically cleansing him and then calling him in love to be a prophet for his time. In a time when people didn't want to listen to God, he was going to be a prophet to speak truth and grace. And likewise for Peter. Peter in this moment is encountering God and he wants God to go away because he realizes how sinful he is. 
And yet, Jesus says, no, you got this all wrong. Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up to the shore and left everything and followed him. In other gospel presentations, they dropped their nets. They left behind their livelihood, their work, their jobs, their source of income. They were embarking on a new adventure to follow after Jesus. There are a couple of insights I want to point out today, just some things that we learn from this initial story with Peter and Jesus that I think will help us begin to think in a new way. And I hope they come as um, thought-provoking in some ways. The first is this, that Jesus has a calling for all his followers. Now, if you've been part of church world for some time, you may have grown up in a religious environment that have kind of separated things like, yeah, calling is something we hear about, but calling is pretty much what we talk about for like pastors, right? Pastors have calling, missionaries have calling, and people who do the whole professional deal, well, they, they have callings. But the rest of us, we, we get jobs and vocations, we do our thing and stuff like that. Uh, but the New Testament is very clear that calling is something that for everyone. Everyone who follows after Jesus has a sense of call. And one of the great adventures that you and I are invited on is to understand this calling within our relationship with Christ. Christ has a calling for all of us. We also talk about this as maybe the priesthood of all believers in more of a doctrinal kind of sense. That's what we're getting out of here. But a couple of verses that talk about this, right? So 1 Peter chapter 2 says, um, But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Just a wonderful, beautiful verse. One of life verse that kind of captures what happens to you in salvation. We've been called out of darkness and into light, but we've been called a priesthood, all of us. And that means all of us have a role to play within this world. Priests were people who stood between God and the world. They helped people understand God. And they also represented people before the Lord. And that's what the church does. That's what all of us do as followers of Christ. Next, Ephesians chapter 2. You've probably heard this here before. For we are God's handiwork, um, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, when God prepared, uh, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we've all been given a task to do. We have a purpose. We have a calling. There's work for us to do. Another way of phrasing it is we've not only been saved to leave a life of sin and death. We've been rescued from this. We've been rescued for good works. Not to prove and justify our love or status, but because this is new life. This is what we get to do. So a couple of things here to make this very practical, not just theoretical. When I think about my own sense of calling in life, 
does to share with all of you, this is where a lot of my adventures with God really grew deep. So I um, sort of began hearing my sense of call when I was in high school, and I'll explain a little bit more of that later. But learning to obey and follow after that call brought two gifts my way that were very unexpected. Now, undoubtedly, I thought for many years along the way that listening to call took far too long. Right? It was like, God, hurry up. I mean, this is, this is so <laughs> protracted. This is ridiculous. You know, I, I, I need to know where I'm going. I want to know where I'm going. There are signs, but, but, you know, the waiting process for any of you in that waiting zone, it's like, God, please, you know, I'm ready to go. Aren't you ready? <laughs> I'm ready to find out. But here are the gifts. I just want to name them. Number one, the gift of getting to know God better. Absolutely, without a doubt, in those years, especially in my teens and my 20s, I got to go deeper with God in ways that I never had before. I was in this posture of always listening, always finding out more, trying to understand more of what was going on. Now, this picture in particular, this is not my photography, by the way, it's just, but it represents a, a point in my life that was really important because during my senior second semester in college, I would go to the lake like a lot of weekends. A lot of Sunday afternoons, I would drive there with a Bible and a journal, and I would take a bunch of friends who were also (laughs) in their last year of college to do the same thing. We're all asking the same question, what is next? And we would just spend a couple hours out there praying, listening, talking to one another, trying to figure this out. And those were really precious times. I remember them with a lot of fondness. Even though I wanted to get to the next thing, I was very grateful in hindsight of this deeper relationship. Next, there's the gift of getting to know myself. Now, this may sound really weird, like getting to know yourself, because like, how do you not know yourself? Like, you're you, I'm me. How would I not know me? But the great (laughs) mystery is, most of us don't know ourselves very well. I mean, this is just, it's true. A lot of us are very out of touch, um, yours truly. Uh, we, just, we just don't know. We don't realize until we get into a situation and we're crying and we're angry. and we, what, What's going on? Why am I feeling this way? It's, we're so much deeper than we realize. There's all this stuff going on, which is why assessments are really helpful, like Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, uh, the Enneagram. They help us know, talking to friends, talking to counselors, talking to to pastors, talking to people who know a little bit more about life, it's super insightful. I got to know myself a lot better. I still am getting to know myself better, right? So the gift of knowing yourself is part of this journey. We're going to see this over and over with Peter who doesn't know himself, okay? So this is a theme for Peter too. Um, Next, second insight. Jesus' call will not always make sense, okay? Neither earthly or common sense. It's just not going to make sense. And this is super frustrating. (laughs) So these are, this is Peter's life, right? He had this life before he thought he knew. Grew up fishing, most likely fished all his life. Jesus tells him, go out one more time. He's like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, it's like, why would I do that? I've just spent the whole night wasted. There's no fish out there. And he goes out and he fishes and he is confronted with something entirely new. So 
in kind of spiritual formation terms, uh, we sometimes talk about it like this. If you're in faith walking, you've heard this language, or if you've been to this, like David Wu's uh, Enneagram workshops and that kind of thing, uh, we talk about our first formation. So our first formation is the life that we grew up with, that we learn, makes sense in this life. It, it's the life that works. We put on a persona, we dress the part, we wear clothes that fit because this is what is acceptable. This is what the rest of our world says is good and right. And we don't stand out too much so, so that we're okay, right? Before our parents and our friends, in our workplaces, we conform to this world because it's less painful that way, right? So our first formation takes place like that. One of the kindest and most loving things that Jesus can do is that he can begin to introduce into your life when you become a follower ways in which that first formation doesn't work anymore. He's giving you a new life. To do that, he has to show you why some of the whole ways are not going to make sense in your new world, in your kingdom life, in your life with God. You can't just keep doing things as normal. This new formation is what we're going to be talking about throughout this series, and it's what we're going to be entering into. And that's what we're doing with some of these cloths. We've been learning to put on clothes that the rest of the world seizes the, our glittering image, our persona, our, you know, groomed and polished Facebook, Instagram life. Now, some of you guys are great at that. I am horrible at that. I don't particularly like it. Uh, for me, uh, some, you know, uh, but, but because for me, struggling between these two things is hard enough. I do feel this tension, and I have to live it through. And for me to enter into this, I have to do certain things. I have to be a certain way. And that, that, that's where the journey takes me. And I want you this morning to think about it and be very open to how God might be calling you into a new life. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for decades, and you haven't made sense of a part of your life with him. Today might be just a simple act of faith saying, yes, God, lead the way. I, I'm trusting you in this. Some of you are newer to this, and you're saying, well, yeah, yes. All of us are in the same boat, so to speak, to do this, and I, I want us to have a moment at the end. We're going to be praying together and laying this before the cross. Um, finally, there's one more thing I want to point out to make sure that we all understand where we are going with this. We're doing this as a church. And together, in Christ, you and I are mission friends. I learned that term <laughs> back when Access was being birthed because it's deeply a part of our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. Before they were known as the ECC, they were known as mission friends. They were friends who came together for common mission in Christ. And even though some of them lived worlds apart, they could come together for conferences or be sister or brother churches because they had common mission. 
when they were missing friends. And this is the language I hope that you and I can share together, that we here at Access can serve as friends in this journey of being formed into missional leaders. See, you and I can ask each other, you know, hey, I'm trying to figure this out. Would you, would you pray for me? Hey, I, I'm trying to figure out if this is where I need to be next. What do you think? What are your thoughts? How can I make best sense of this? I can't do this alone. Figuring out calling isn't just about you going on a, like, solo retreat and being away from everybody. Well, it can be, yes. I want to just affirm that. But it is also life in community and discernment and being with our friends and asking those critical questions. So as we wrap up today, I just want to make sure that we all know figuring out mission and calling You're not alone in this. We are in this together. So as we wrap up, I want you to take this cloth. It is representative of our first formation, our old life, the image that we present before the world, the personas that we've lived into. And we're going to When you're ready, I'd like you to lay this before the foot of the cross. Um, You don't have to do this. This is purely up to you. This is not for show. You're surrounded by mission friends, right? But if you're ready today and you feel the Spirit prompting you, please come forward in faith and know that you will be met by the steadfast love of Christ who's cheering for you, wanting the best for you, and knowing there is an awesome life, a mission ahead of you. Amen? Respond to you. 
we give to you our yes. We say yes, yes, oh Lord, we give to you our Those of you at home, if you'd like to take that piece of paper and crumple up, you can put that aside however you wish. <laughs> Throw it in the trash if that makes sense for you. Together we're moving forward. So let's pray together and remember the love of Christ. God, we lay this before your feet, before the foot of the cross. Take our lives and lead us forward. We are in your hands under your great care. You are our shepherd, our Lord, our guide. Lead us on. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it. We envision peace and work to build it. Where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that Christians are discipleship. We discover gifts and offer them. And may your light for joy and generosity in Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you go today, if if you'd like to talk a little bit more or, or pray with one of the staff members, a few of us will be around in front. Um, otherwise, have a great Sunday. We'd love to see you again next time. See you soon.